Good day, everybody. This is Zachary Kameen, the Curious Christian. And these are Curious Conversations. We are just a couple days in this recording from Christmas. Right now it is uh, the 21st, and we are in full swing in the Christmas season. Uh, Getting ready to have family over on Tuesday, having friends over on Tuesday, having loved ones over on Tuesday. And uh, as some of you, or as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, I've been going through uh, biographies on uh, presidences. And one fascinating thing that I noticed was that uh, right now I just finished the uh, first three presidents of biography on the first three presidences uh, Washington, Adams, and uh, Jefferson. Uh, Jefferson's was by far the longer of the three. But out of the many years that I just read through, basically, no mention of Christmas. Uh, And since Christmas tends to be a time of, uh, you know, of cheer, celebration, uh, merriment, I found, at least, so I found that it was interesting that uh, there was no mention of it uh, during these biographies. And it got me thinking about it. And I'm coming to the conclusion that the reason why they didn't mention it was because these three presidents didn't really celebrate Christmas. Um, if I remember correctly, if memory serves me right, um, they didn't celebrate it because they, uh, in American culture back then, it was a very much primarily Protestant holiday. Uh, even though a couple of them were Anglicans or Episcopalians, so I found it odd that uh, it didn't make any mention of Christmas. But it might have just been the biographer's discretion type of thing. But, I don't know. I just found it odd that they didn't mention Christmas at all during these biographies. Uh, so that's going to be actually a thing I'll be looking for whilst I'm reading these biographies is when, uh, when does Christmas pop up into uh, the lives of presences type of thing. When, when, it, when is it that Christmas becomes a big enough deal that uh, biographers feel inclined to mention it? Uh, it could just be that it's such a regular occurrence Christmas that you know, the biographer felt no need to mention it because in our day, 
you know, Christmas. I mean, Christmas is Christmas for the love. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I'm, I just finished uh, Thomas Jefferson, so I'm about to start James Madison's uh, biography. And I tell you what, this is these guys have been pretty interesting. I have my uh, favorite in uh, John Adams right now. Uh, Thomas Jefferson being my least favorite of the three. Uh, but to be honest, I'm I really only judge between the two because. Uh, George Washington was such a not even, not an outlier, but his presidency was kind of just to do his best to not do anything, right? He was literally just going to be there to be a figurehead, uh, just to kind of bring stability, a sense of security during. Uh, uh, whilst the Congress is getting established, whilst all the other things are getting established, he didn't try to make waves at all. He was letting everybody else uh, kind of figure themselves out. And it wasn't until Adams, really, it wasn't until Adams and Jefferson that uh, there became uh, what we recognize as American politics. Um. So when you look at uh, Adams and Jefferson, uh, I, sh I struggle with uh, the two because both of them, though they were different parties, uh, one was a Federalist and one was a, a Republican. Uh, Adams was the Federalist and Jefferson was the Republican. Uh, a Federalist was accused of being a borderline uh, monarchist. In fact, that was their nickname in the Republican Party was a monarchist. Uh, Jefferson took great joy in calling Federalists monarchists as a way of hot propaganda. Uh, they were they were those who were seeking to make the president a king or or even uh, the desire to bring back the English monarch or uh, a Canadian monarch or something you know an English uh, prince or whatever that's living in Canada or something like that or, but basically taking uh, making the executive so powerful that they are a king. Uh, which I found interesting because uh, in one sense it was true that uh, the federal government or the, the federalists rather did want a very strong central government and so the uh, charge was true enough uh
I simply found them interesting because uh, Adams was a very weak Federalist in that he didn't try to step on too many toes. He only just tried to keep the peace in one sense. Uh, and Jefferson, who's the Republican, was actually a stronger, or created a stronger executive branch, leaning it more towards a monarch. And so I just thought it was or interesting that they went against their propagandas type of thing. You know, the Federalists were accused of being monarchs, but yet uh, it was the Congress that was strongest during the Federalist regime type of thing. And then in the Federalist regime, or in the Republican regime, the executive branch was the strongest. Uh, so, and I think part of that has to do with uh, the propaganda. Uh, because Federalists were accused of being monarchs, uh, monarchists, they avoided making waves. While since Republicans were not, they had no problems doing so. Welcome back to um, this next segment, which uh, I will entitle uh, The Civil War, the, the War Within the Mind of Jefferson. Uh, the reason why I want to title it that way is uh, during the, uh, the years of Jefferson, Jefferson was a Republican, but he was, in that day, uh, Republicans were, were a conglomerate of, uh, the, uh, Democrats and Republicans together. So, uh, and part of it was, uh, Jefferson's doing. Uh, he was definitely more of a Republican than a Democrat uh, in that he, and this, this is an interesting feature, uh, Republicans believed in a stronger central government, well, in a stronger uh, uh, congressional go uh, government, in a... Uh, federal Congress, um, while Democrats uh, were uh, more focused on the states. And so the idea is uh, giving the power uh, to uh, the people to try to decide the most things. So. When, when you have, so they would put focus on the states because all the state uh, elections were by the people, while all the federal 
elections were by the states, were by the state government peoples. So it was an indirect election, basically, I think, except the uh, House of Representatives. Um, but the Senate was most certainly uh, elected by state reps, <coughs> or state delegates, whatever, electors. And uh, same thing with the president it was elected. Well, we still have the electoral college. We just decide our electoral college by way of uh, the people's election. Because uh, believe it or not, uh, the states do not have to uh, vote by the will of the people in that on you know, that hour. And I think it, there might be a time uh, where with all this chaos in the media and whatnot, there might be states who just say, screw this, as long as this propaganda machine uh, is going around, uh, we're going back to the old way where we just uh, vote according to our state affiliation and we don't care, you know, we, we can't afford all this uh, pandering and propagating and annoyancing uh, it's not good for our state um, and uh, and so back to the uh, Civil War thing so the Civil War was as, as many know it was a war against the Republicans and the Democrats uh, Republicans being strong central or uh, federal government the uh, Democrats being strong, uh, state government in one sense, uh, but its its focus was on uh, the people's desire to, it wasn't just states' rights, it was states' rights in the spirit of its people. So the state's right to protect its people's uh, desires. So the desire of the people in the South was to keep slavery and many other things, but obviously slavery was the bone of contention uh, and the reason why I say that this was in the mind of Jefferson was uh, Jefferson himself was everybody knows it was a slave uh, owner uh, he only freed a handful of slaves when he died uh, the vast majority of the slaves he just sold off uh, but he was an outspoken abolitionist in one sense uh, he was uh, a racist in one in one sense. He okay. Uh, he, he wasn't a racist in what we consider a racist, but he was a segregist. What do I mean by that? What I mean is he didn't say that white people were better than black people or Native Americans were better than all people or anything like that. He didn't believe, at least from what I read in his biography, he wasn't one who believed in a master race and that white people were that race type of thing. Uh, but he did, he was a segregist in the sense that he didn't believe that, uh, that white people and black people could uh, get along. And so he proposed that if we freed the, uh, if we freed the slaves, that we should uh, just deport them back to uh, Africa, uh, send them back to Africa. 
uh, and his reason for this was uh, uh, Jamaica in his lifetime had uh, revolted against its uh, the, the slaves there had revolted against their uh, white slave um, oppressors and taken over the island. Uh, Haiti had uh, taken over their island. The slaves there had taken over their island. The South Americans had, many of the slaves in South America had taken over their bits of land. Uh, He's seen, uh, just in a a practical, historical sense, you know, current events thing, he was like, as it sits now, I do not see a way that white people and black people can govern together, uh, rule together, live together, anything like that. It's like, so, for the sake of people not getting killed, uh, I propose that if we spree them, we need to separate. Uh, uh, Obviously, uh, there is some, I I think, very little, if any, truth to that claim. Uh, Some people will say, well, we wouldn't have the race relations that we have right now because we wouldn't have relations uh but i mean in my own personal and so obviously my views on my own personal relationships with uh black people is uh i'm perfectly willing to get along with just about anybody and i don't give a crap uh your nation of origins or the color of your skin uh, and politics is a different story. I mean, there's always been contentions with me when it comes to that, but everybody knows me as somebody who's uh, willing to uh, talk to anybody about anything, and I don't give a crap. Uh, so uh, I disagree with him, but part of in that, but I think part of that had to do with his own. Uh, uh, reservations on the matter. Uh, but re- another reason why I say Civil War was something in the mind of Jefferson was that he he recognized that more than likely there would be a war over it. Uh, in his presidency, the North uh New England was looking to secede from the Union, so it wasn't so. Uh, the Civil War wasn't the first time where a large amount of states thought about leaving the United States. Uh, it was the North who first wanted to leave, uh, primarily New England area. Uh, I don't know. How, it didn't say in biography how he talked to them out of it or what he did to coerce them out of leaving, but. It was the case. So it was a long time coming uh, in the midst of uh, the presidency of Jefferson. And I would argue that uh, it was in the mind of Jefferson also because he had this abolitionist mind, but he also was a slave owner and had no intentions of freeing his slaves. Uh, the only uh, slaves that he did free were the children of his wife's, uh, his uh, 
widowed wife's uh, half-sister, uh, his uh, concubine slave uh, girlfriend, uh, to whom she bore him several children, so he freed all of them, but he didn't even free all of his uh, slaves' children, because she had children with others, and he certainly didn't free the other slaves that he had. He had quite a bit of slaves. Uh, so he had this contradiction in his head. And I think it was a contradiction in many other uh, Southerners, and even in some in the North. Uh, it was a contradiction that had to be brought to bear, and it did get brought to bear in the 1860s. Uh, you cannot live consistently with a bunch of contradictions in your head and not expect uh, those things, those contradictions to haunt you, come back to bite you in the end. Alright, this last segment, uh, we're going to deal with the philosophical, um, with uh, Jefferson and Adams especially. Uh, these were Enlightenment men, especially uh, Jefferson, and uh, which make which is intriguing and interesting when it comes to uh, uh, especially Jefferson. Uh, he was a strong. Everybody knows he was a strong advocate of religious liberty. Uh, he, he, now, now he, he didn't mention, or in his correspondence, what he meant by religious liberty was that he didn't believe that a state could, or that America could deport uh, papists or Jews uh, for being papists and Jews. He also didn't believe that uh, if uh, one denomination uh, was the uh, primary denomination of America, that would mean that tax dollars would go towards that denomination. Uh, and he, he felt that it would go against conscience for uh, tax dollars to uh, support an, another uh, denomination. As he said, if you're a Methodist, well, yeah, by that time Methodists were a big enough deal. Uh, he said, if, if, if you were Methodist or Episcopalian or Congregationalist, or a Baptist, or a Papist, or an Anabaptist, a Quaker, uh, or a Presbyterian. You didn't very well want to, one, do your tithe, and then uh, have some of your tax money going towards funding another church that you, by conscience, didn't feel comfortable uh, supporting. And so basically, uh, he agreed with, uh, I would say he agreed with scripture because uh, 
the scripture called upon individuals to uh, give to their local congregations. And so, uh, having a tax or having state money go towards the church would uh, make a confusion of that because tithing tithes and offerings is an act of worship Uh, it is not it is a a duty but it is not a whole it is not a law it's a sin to not tithe but it is not a crime to not tithe and so to have tax monies, which is a crime to not pay, uh, go towards um, <clears throat> kind of supplementing the lack of tithing would, in essence, create a uh, a law-enforced tithing system, which I personally have not. For I would not support something like that. Uh, <clears throat> my personal favorite theologian, John Calvin. Uh, he also believed in a sense of church and state, but it was because he wanted the church to stay out of the or he wanted the state to stay out of the church, though he didn't have any issues with uh, the church uh, speaking into the state and calling them out on their sins and whatnot. Uh, And one of my favorite uh, quotes from Calvin is to the French emperor, where he tells him, because... In this time, there were there were some criminals who were also Protestants, and so uh, Papists were trying to prove the invalid, invalidity of Protestantism by these criminals. And he said, in Calvin, uh, he says, um, in essence, uh, then charge them with the crime. Uh, but their religion is not their crime. Uh, If they murdered, charge them with murder and punish them for murder, but don't punish them for being a Protestant. Uh, That's all Protestants have been asking for was... um, So the idea of uh, separation of church and state isn't what we think of it now, but it is... A, a godly request that a, that the church asks the state to butt out of church matters uh, when it comes to faith and practice and uphold the actual laws. Uh, now, that being said, Calvin and I would not have an issue with uh, shutting down a heretic, censuring a heretic. Uh, Or Jefferson said that it's up to the people to censure religious matters. So, I mean, me, I can still censure people. I just don't, you know, I don't have to listen to them. Uh, 
while uh, Jefferson would say it's not up to the state to censor people or to shut people up. It's up to the people to do so. Uh, Calvin says, no, if, if you've got, if, if this is a Christian nation, if this is a nation full of Christians, then, and there is somebody who not only believes in a false God, and, and not in the sense of uh, a papist believing in transubstantiation, or they lift up Mary higher than sh- than uh, they should, anything. But I'm talking about like uh, Islam, which is a terrible name. Uh, I like to call say Mohammedism because Islam, uh, every religion, uh, if you're being consistent or seeking to be consistent with the principles of that religion, whether it be Christian, Buddhism, even atheist philosophies, uh, you can declare yourself a Muslim because you are submitting to the God of your system. If you are a faithful Democrat in the democratic system, you can say you are a democratic Muslim in one sense, because Islam simply is submission to the will of God. Uh, Obviously, it's in reference to the Muslim God, but uh, you can refer to the Muslim God all day long, and you can make reference to him type of thing, but uh, words are such that everybody's allowed to use them. Uh, and so I like to use uh, Mohammedan because they don't mean any God whatsoever. They mean the God that was revealed to Muhammad. That's why I say Mohammedan or Mohammedism, or uh, Mohammedan, somebody who follows the teachings of Muhammad. Um, So, I would say government should censure a Muslim preacher. It should also censure a uh, Jehovah's Witness and a, a Mormon preacher. Uh, Why? Well, because of the uh, first commandment. And uh, you could censure some of the religious practices of some of the denominations, depending on the the official convictions and interpretations of the individual states on uh, icons. So you very well have an opportunity of such as like in Massachusetts, uh, there was a time where icons were outlawed, so you weren't allowed uh, pictures of anything. <clears throat> so, uh, because in be, most, it was um, because of uh, the papists' inclination towards uh, the use of icons in worship. And so they were hemming against that. Understandable. Uh, it was a decent censure. I applaud the censure uh, very well. So, but so philosophically, uh, Jefferson and Adams were two very different people. Adams was one to to whom. Uh, laid heavily on the past. Uh, 
he he had a strong inclination. He he was a Renaissance man to the Renaissance uh, and uh, holding to the uh, view of La Fontaine uh, to the fountain to the source. <clears throat> I mean, I think it just means the fountain, but it, it, it's a charge. Right? It's a battle cry type of thing. So it's to the fountain. Uh, and it's in reference, he, he, his philosophy called you one to read the scriptures in the original languages, uh, called to, uh, reading, uh, old dead guys of, of his era. So church, uh, leaders, uh, of the past, um, Romans, uh, Roman philosophers, Greek philosophers, but he definitely laid heavily on the Roman philosophers. Um, while Jefferson, uh, he put a lot of his trust and philosophy on the future, believing that, uh, and I think both men are right in this, because philosophy is complicated. Uh, he believed that, you know, we, our elders, our ancestors didn't get everything right. So we shouldn't trust them to be the authority on all things uh, philosophical or anything like that. So he proposed, or but, but, not proposed, but he shot himself in the foot when he... Um, he stopped, he started becoming too cynical. He, he went from being a skeptic to a cynic. So he refused to believe in the supernatural. Absolutely refused. So his philosophy was utterly material. Um, and so he, uh, what, he took his skepticism too far and started uh, editing the Bible uh, became uh, a Marcion. In a, a, a Marcion is an early church heretic. Mar and so you, you look him up. Uh, Jefferson fell into the heresy of Marcionism, where he started cutting out the parts of the Bible that he didn't like and creating his own kind of Bible that he imposed on people in one sense or tried to sell uh, he started pushing his own religion as it were um, no he I he was an interesting man that I would have loved to debate knowing full well that he wouldn't listen to me he wasn't a man of uh, of listening wasn't known for his listening abilities. Um, as, as a man who considered himself an enlightenment man, he did a really good job of shutting out as much light as possible. Uh, if he didn't like something, he, dis, he just disregarded it. Um, and uh, Adams actually calls him out on it as another enlightenment man saying basically how can you call yourself an enlightenment man 
when you refuse to accept the light, right? Uh, you, re you call yourself enlightened, but you do everything you can to stay in the dark. Uh, and I think it's a, especially coming from another president, uh, I think it holds more weight and they had a good, they had a decent relationship. I think it holds more weight when Adam says it than somebody like me does. But it's something we should all consider when you're being philosophical, when you're contemplating uh, life, uh, wisdom, how to do the right things and whatnot. Uh, are you simply disregarding something else, something that somebody else says on the basis that they said it or because you deny certain premises and so since you have your denials uh, anybody who brings something you deny uh, to the table then you automatically uh, disregard it if you do that then you can't very well call yourself enlightened I would argue because you are by definition refusing to be enlightened uh, if you don't believe in the supernatural uh, and, and by that I mean God who is the only supernatural person uh, even the spiritual is natural it may not be physical it may not be material uh, but uh, angelic beings uh, our own spirits, our own souls, may not be physical. Uh, well, they may not be material. I don't even want to say physical because there's a philosophical connotation there too uh, that is still argued. Uh, it would, it's not material, but that doesn't mean it's not natural. Uh, so the only supernatural thing that I would refer to is uh, God. Uh, God is the supernatural. When somebody says, I don't believe in the supernatural, they, they mean they don't believe God. They don't believe in a supernatural God, which in essence means they don't believe in, in God. Uh, you don't believe in somebody who is over nature, whether it be spiritual or material, what have you. So, uh, and that was where Jefferson stood. Uh, I like Adams. Uh, Adams was a Christian. He was a Calvinist. He was a he was unfortunately a Congregationalist. Uh, I'm a Presbyterian, but I used to be a Congregationalist, so I can't get too sad at him. Uh, but this is the end of this episode of Curious Conversation. Uh, I'm gonna try to finish this coffee. It's gotten cold, so I'm gonna have to heat it back up. Uh, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in all the time and uh, if you want to contact me uh, you can contact me on uh, Facebook uh, just look me up on Zachary Kameen it's my name uh, look me up on Twitter um, at Zachary Kameen and tweet at me uh, or you can email me at Zachary Kameen at yahoo.com uh, God bless you guys. Uh, God bless your families. God bless your household. God bless your conversations. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Uh, 
um, his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord uh, lift up his um, counts upon you and give you peace. Uh, take care, guys.